We're really excited to bridge all of these different areas across the food system and being in an organization that is so connected to agricultural and natural resources, working with our colleagues to support how people can access healthy foods is really important and reduce food insecurity. There's a whole you know economic component that we're trying to look at more carefully. And in California, there's a lot of intentional effort around reducing food waste. It's time for conversations about our food and how it's grown on Farm to Table Talk with your host, Roger Wasson. We're talking about food often, how it's grown, how it's raised, the people that are involved with it, and accomplishing a lot of other things. And today we're going to go a little broader than normal, but we're going to go to communities and making a difference in communities and and all the different aspects that need to make a community healthy. And I'm happy to welcome Amira Resnick. And Amira is the statewide director for community nutrition and health in California. Amira, welcome to Farm to Table Talk. Thank you for having me. So, Amira, some of us just have to worry about, well, am I going to get this podcast out or am I going to get this farm out? And somehow you're in a job where you're looking at the health of communities in a whole state and I, and probably even broader than that to the extent that you get involved in other committees and so forth. And and I think that's that's a pretty uh, intimidating assignment. If it was me, I think I man. I might be able to figure out how I can be useful in my own community. But in in a way, you're trying to provide leadership through people across the state uh, that are affecting communities all over a state of 40 million people and lots and lots of needs. Um, so help me with that, Amira. How, how do you get your arms around it? Could you give a... This 30,000-foot view of what is community nutrition and, and health programs in, in California, and then we're going to start piecing together some examples of what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate the way you framed it. Um, for me, it's very much a work in progress. I've been with UCANR for a year and a half. Um, I've worked in the public health space for six years. But I bring um, kind of a broad background in human services and social services. So that allows me to try to continue to think big picture and working across um, sectors, working across geographies. And in many ways, I see my role as a bridge builder, a networker, a liaison of you know, the thousand plus people that we have within Cooperative Extension in California doing amazing work in their community. So it's a lot of relationship building and a lot of learning at the outset, what's already happening and trying to identify areas, I mean, bright spots or areas of really great work that uh, is ripe for growth and expansion, people that want to collaborate together on new projects. And so I do I don't know if it's matchmaking or, um, you know, collaborating, idea sharing, 
uh, facilitating a lot of that type of work to bring people together and and co-create some ideas where we already have resonance and then also try to be as relevant as possible and responsive to what we're hearing in our communities from our program participants and our other stakeholders that they want to work with us on or that is important to them. You know, we should stop for a second and clear up one of the acronyms. You said UCANR, and I know some people are saying, what's that? Well, University of California and ANR, Agriculture and Natural Resources. That's right. Um, but then it almost needs a little more explanation because when people even think of agriculture and natural resources, some of the broader things that you address on the health of a community and what's going on in, in a community uh, is beyond what many people would think of that would be under the heading of agriculture and natural resources. Is, this, is, is this kind of a, a new expansion of responsibilities than the traditional or just did we miss the memo on <laughs> on this, these approaches? Not to my understanding. When I was onboarded to Cooperative Extension, um, which is, you know, part of a, a national effort that is over 100 years old, um, an opportunity to kind of braid federal funding, statewide funding, local funding um, to bring uh, public universities, research um, and information, evidence based information to communities and interact with communities in a way that's meaningful and supportive of, of whatever efforts they're involved in. Um, we uh, have been participating in what has for many, many years been called Nutrition, Family and Consumer Sciences, it has a legacy within this cooperative extension system nationwide of 100 plus years, to my understanding. Um, so we've been doing um, nutrition education, uh, sharing um, healthy food recipes with people across across the state, across the country for many years. Uh, we have two federally funded programs that are decades old um, in, in California and across the country as well. One of them is our uh, SNAP education program. SNAP is the Supplemental Nutritionist program from the USDA and there's a whole huge educational component that goes with that that has itself evolved um, to be much much more than education there's a lot of what we call policy systems and environmental change making work that happens working with organizations and leaders um, to support and uh, kind of eliminate barriers to accessing healthy food uh, and the folks that are learning the nutritional best practices have even more ways of you know participating and engaging those and our other federally funded program that's been around for decades is the expanded food and nutrition education program that we call it FNEP for short um, so California's cooperative extension program like other cooperative extensions across the country, has been engaged in that work for, as I say, you know, several decades. And it is a, it is only a bit more recently, um, although not brand new, <clears throat> that we are exploring how to expand the scope of our work and bridge our experience and expertise in nutrition education um, to other relevant areas of health and well-being that we know are so important and vital in our communities. 
And so that the, that's a bit more emergent um, and representative of future facing work that I'm really excited to be contributing to. Well, you mentioned earlier that there's over a thousand people and is UCA in our extension. Is that right? Yes. I don't have an exact number for you, but we're quite a large organization. You don't know everybody, I guess. No. <laughs> <laughs> Working on and it. So they exist in um, pretty much every county in the, in the state. Now, I would guess that uh, there are some more experienced than others across uh, across the state and working in some of these new areas. Uh, again, there was a time where uh, people first thought of extension that was involved in agriculture and go and tell farmers how to grow or so forth and, and then easing into some of the other community activities. But you mentioned the partnership at the federal level too. And the federal SNAP program has a different name in California. Uh, was it CalFresh? That's right. California. CalFresh Healthy Living. So CalFresh Healthy Living, so that even the fact that adding that tagline of healthy living is going beyond just good nutrition and picking whole foods or or, or things like that, right? Great so point. there was a spectrum there that that is looking at, at, at broader issues. Now, of those 1,000 people that can help you, um, how do you help them broaden the scope? I mean, to me, you know, I think, man, that's a big job. They've all got, you've got specialists. You're trying to help uh, play a role in these in these counties that broadly, the life of that community and the health of the people in those communities, and it's broadening and more complex. Mm -hmm. Do you have enough folks to do that job? That's a good question. Fortunately, we're a growing network. Um, in the past month, we've been able to hire two new community nutrition and health advisors um, is what we call them. They're kind of our um, academic type position responsible for building out research and extension programs in their local communities. And I think we've grown, um, you know, several more than that in the past year. There's still very much gaps in, in coverage. Uh, we'd love to have many more. For example, we have one such advisor covering both Los Angeles and Orange County, which are huge um, areas of, of, you know, lots and lots of people. So we would uh, like to grow even more our, um, our opportunity to participate, but very glad to be at least growing, you know, somewhat. And and also not just in where we're reaching geographically, but also the areas of expertise that our folks have. Uh, we're expanding that to an extent too. Recently brought someone on who has a um, medical background, medical training, and um, community development types of expertise that we're looking at. And so in addition to our team that's trained in, you know, dietetics or kinesiology or has master's in public health and et cetera, you know, we're looking to, to grow our areas of expertise as well. Well, I would imagine you can't have all the expertise you need everywhere you need it when you need it. So are you able to move people around? So if there's somebody that's, that's really, really strong and they're somewhere in the northern part of california for example can you bring them down to southern california and help them train some people that don't have that expertise 
Absolutely. I mean, that's what's beautiful in our virtual age. You know, we do all kinds of Zoom meetings and we travel. And so we are very collaborative across the state um, and across many different projects. So, you know, one effort that might begin in one region or one community certainly could expand to other communities. And that's very much a part of the process, learning and sharing with everyone, kind of bringing their um their piece of the puzzle. We had a new um, a new person join within the past year, bringing a lot of experience and passion around reducing food security and strengthening um, techniques in food preservation. And so combined with an expertise around how to evaluate work in that area um, is really, you know, a great set of skills that um, many of us can benefit from when we combine efforts across. I think I talked to that new person and I was, um, I, I told, told him it sounded to me like he's one of those doggone (laughs) (laughs) do-gooders. He has the, um, uh, kind of joke about it, but people would used to say, Oh, you're just a do-gooder. But in a way the world needs more do-gooders, uh, that, you know, you, you think of the people that I've run into too that are involved in farming and food and agriculture and interested in their in their communities, and they do just want to do good. They want to help. So, in when you're interviewing people or you're looking to people to bring into this, don't you have to kind of search for that quality of whether or not they possess the the mission kind of orientation? To um, because otherwise, if it's you know. Typical kind of measurements of success that might have such number of meetings or, you know, incomes go up certain level and so forth. And those are all good things. But don't you have to sort out to find someone whether they really got that sense of mission that they're going to kind of make work for themselves? Absolutely. Yeah, it's very, you know, service driven, uh, mission driven. And we talk a lot about impact as you know, the where we're trying to reach what is what's the difference that we're making in people's lives, not just our outputs in terms of, um, like you mentioned, this many activities or this many meetings or this many social media hits, but really trying to look at, is there a positive difference that we're having in the lives of um the people in our communities. And so we do. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, that's the ethos of cooperative extension. We have a lot of integrity around our science-based research, but we also, we do that work in, in service of the communities that we're participating in. And so it's um, definitely a matter of assessing if that candidate is looking for that type of a career. So one of the things that intrigues me is uh, what's been happening, community gardens in in, the, in a number of areas. And so do you have some people that are experts at that that say, you know, this might be for you and, and you know, show them how to how to put a community garden together? Yes, it's a huge, that's actually one of our huge efforts with the SNAPBED, the Calfresh Healthy Living UC program that we run. They collaborate a lot with another one of our statewide programs, which is the Master Gardener program. And so they work not only in community gardens, but a lot of school gardens, which is a very powerful intervention in many different ways, not only for, you know, producing healthy fruits and vegetables, but teaching young people uh, how food is grown, the nutritional benefits of uh, 
fruits and vegetables that are coming from, you know, direct from the ground that are fresh, that are local, um, that are culturally significant to them. And also just the more and more uh, we're aware of the um, mental health benefits of participating in the garden. It can be meditative and relaxing. It can improve your mood. It can foster social connection. So there is a lot of um, benefits to garden programs. And we're that's one of our areas of expertise for sure. You know, that's one of the things I find when I talk to people that are involved in these kind of programs. You can tell that they've just gotten a lot out of it. I mean, it's, you know, it's a very almost meditative and it's hard to figure out how you meditate when you're working so hard but uh you know that that people that are literally getting their feet in the dirt and and it, it but it sometimes has to transition to making some income so you can have it that they're showing how to produce food for themselves and for their community but then can you help them and when they need to to transition to be able to sell some of that product to farmers markets or create a hub or you know create an online you know for selling the selling the products that's a great question i know there's examples of that happening where there's a whole farm to school effort again with our school-based um gardens to support local um local procurement uh, within the schools. so if what the youth are growing can be sold in a local market or you know, end up in the lunchroom cafeteria tables. That's, you know, the ideal best practice that I know some of our programs are involved in. And we do focus on skill building in terms of what's going to support, you know, career readiness and job readiness and the skills that folks need to um, build out meaningful, you know, employment as well. You know, we've gone so far in promoting fresh products, which uh, it's fine, except that products are usually only fresh for a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, I mean, there's a season for almost everything. So do you do you get into showing people how they, you know, preservation of the canning and other things or even developing products that that, that can take the product from you know, a point that, and have it available year round? Yes, uh, we have a statewide program called the UC Master Food Preserver Program that's been around for many years as well. And it's a great um, internal collaboration with our Master Gardener Program and with some of our nutrition education programs that I mentioned. So this this is a group of volunteers that are uh, highly skilled and trained to then teach out community with community members, all kinds of techniques around dehydration and freezing, canning, pickling, etc. And so there's, uh, I think we're in uh, 20, over 20 different counties across California, teaching those skills as well. You know, you're talking about how we can benefit people uh, nutritionally, or if they go into making more money from a product, that's that affects them in another way. But you alluded to the mental uh, uh, side of the of the story. And, and and that seems to me to be somewhat of a new frontier because you can talk about what's good nutrition, but you're almost like, what's good nutrition for the brain? I mean, what uh, and and how are you finding yourselves and, and some of this, this work getting more into being useful and supportive of mental health? Yeah, I love that question because it's a very exciting area to be working in for many of us. And so I think those of us working 
in this space of health and wellness kind of intuitively know and experience that our physical health and our mental health is all connected. And what we're excited to leverage is the growing kind of body of research and evidence to demonstrate that in a bunch of different ways and and leverage that in the types of programs that we continue to build. And it has a lot to do with just the intentionality that we bring. So there's ways in garden, you know, based activities to have um, an environment where people feel supported socially, where they're um, able to express themselves, where they feel included, um, and in, and create a tone of the work that is uh, supportive to their mental health. And that's just one example of many um, directly, you know, teaching people about the types of nutrients that are in the foods that they're eating and how that can impact their their mood, their um, their energy levels, their brain functioning, what have you. All of that is, is an exciting area for us to be able to make more and more intentional connections with and leverage the the research that's out there. So a lot of us are interested in continuing to grow into that space with our communities. I know the University of California has what, 10 or 12 campuses that are? That, I think uh, 10. Uh, yeah, okay. I, keep, I keep promoting is... them. I keep I keep <laughs> thinking it just a little bit more than that. But uh, but it, it includes campuses that have some of the highest rated uh, research hospitals in the world, which is pretty unique. Uh, and I'm wondering, is there any synergy that that research that's going on within the UC health systems and and health research that you're able to tap into and and can participate in your outreach? We're certainly trying to do that more and more so. We have a um, ex- existing collaboration with medical professionals from University of California and San Francisco um, working to have alignment around the types of health-related messaging, health promotion messaging that they would give um, as medical practitioners in their doctor's offices when they see community residents, residents and how that can align and support the messaging that we're that we're sharing in our um, nutrition education classes in the community, and so coming together to have a shared kind of vocabulary and understanding, messaging, enhance each other's um, ways of working is is a project that I'm working on as well, and um, and really excited to make those connections. It's, yeah. It's not typical that doctors get trained in nutrition. And so even though there is a lot of research about that, um, we are excited to try to bridge what we consider to be, you know, chronic disease prevention, all the preventative stuff you can do with diet and exercise with um, chronic disease management and treatment that you would experience in a doctor's office. And a lot of the same best practices exist in across that continuum of care. When extension was formed, the job was easier. You think back of it right then, because in the case of now, what we're deciding would be really healthy for people to concentrate on whole foods than a lot of ultra processed foods. Now, that's not saying that frozen or dried or canned or bad because they're good for extending the season. But back in the beginning with extension, there was all there was. I mean, there they didn't have Twinkies. You know, you just had a, a protein, a starch, and, you know, carbohydrate, 
and um, of really, really basic whole foods. So in some respects, uh, your audience back then of working with communities in some ways, it was harder to make bad choices. Well, as I said toward the beginning, we're really excited to bridge uh, all of these different areas across the food system and being in an organization that is so connected to agricultural and natural resources we are looking at issues that are, you know, systemic to the supply, you know, supply and uh, consumerism of of food and how people are able to access it. So uh, working with our colleagues to support how people can access healthy foods is really important and reduce food insecurity. There's a whole, uh, you know, economic component that we're trying to look at more carefully and in California, there's a lot of intentional effort around reducing food waste as well. And so trying to look at with our food preservation program and other types of education and research, can we uh, can we get the message and the practices out there around reducing food waste are two other two other areas that come to mind. But we, you know, want to collaborate and connect on on really any human health impact that our colleagues are resonating with, whether it's um, preparing and responding to natural disasters or climate change issues um, and any any other major health issue that's affecting our communities, we want to be able to um, participate in some way. We should we should pause here and identify where they might look for more information. What's the best website address to be checking out? Sure. I would start by going to uh, ucanr.edu. And if you search there for community nutrition and health, you'll find our landing page with the two statewide programs that I mentioned and a list of some of the advisors that I talked about as well. And, and you can reach out to any of us directly. Say, I want to take a few minutes just to ask about your journey. How did you get here? What was it that clicked for you that um, that this seemed a direction that was going to be right for Amira Resnick? That's a good one. I I feel very grateful to be in this role. I mentioned how much kind of networking and relationship building is involved, and how much collaboration is involved. Uh, I've worked across many different areas of the the social sector and across the country and internationally as well. So I really enjoy, you know, stretching myself to think big picture and working at the intersection of research and community engagement for me feels like feels like a sweet spot. And so being in an organization that has uh, filled with others that have similar orientations and ways of uh, thinking and, and moving through our work uh, has felt like a great opportunity for me. Do you mean, I, yeah, well, it sounds like it. I mean, I, I wondered, um, did you have a glimpse of this coming? And was there a, a point when you were a young person growing up in Wisconsin that that you, you felt drawn in, in a direction that this ended up becoming? I'm not sure about that. I, for me, it's been a very kind of emergent uh, experience of discovery. I always felt I wanted to be useful in some way, and I always have been driven by curiosity. And so the more I learn and engage, the more I get curious and want to participate, I think, which allows me to make connections across sectors, across different areas of um, di different areas of work, and really with the spirit of bringing people together. Um, essentially, I've been driven by those types of interests and desires and 
um, kind of learn learn as I go across the experiences. And in retrospect, it it has all kind of led me to where I am today. But I wouldn't have I wouldn't have guessed. I wouldn't have known necessarily. So, what did you study in college? My undergraduate degree was in cultural anthropology and Spanish, and I've worked for many years throughout my career with Spanish-speaking communities in the U.S. and uh, for a time abroad as well in Bogota, Colombia. And I have a master's in public administration, which is a perfect degree for me because it's very broad and it supports supports any of us in that field to, you know, assume public leadership uh, positions that are stewarding public funds or in service to communities, whether it's within government, university, nonprofit, business. And so being able to apply my interest and skill set that I've grown over the years kind of in any of those domains has been um, has been exciting. Well, and I would imagine it comes in handy that you speak Spanish here in California. It does. It's something I really enjoy any chance I get to do that. And and in most of the areas, how, how much how much of your work might need to be of the agencies needs to be done in Spanish? Uh, th- that's a complicated question, I guess, but uh, th- that must be a prerequisite for for some of your team. It's a huge part of our work, um, specifically with our expanded food and nutrition education program. We're reaching primarily Spanish-speaking communities across the state. And so um, 70% of the classes that we teach are in Spanish. It's the language of instruction. And we're very proud of of that outreach. Um, And so there's always more that we can do to reach the Spanish-speaking communities. Uh, but that program in particular is very successful. And, and our staff are bilingual, and they run bilingual programming. They live, you know, they oftentimes grew up in the communities where they are working and have several of them have many, many years of experience doing what they do. So they're really valuable members of our team. Well, it's a it's a big issue we're not over with. I remember there was a time where uh, the all of the warnings on uh, applying pesticides and working with them and so forth were only in English. And I thought, wait a minute, the people that are working with the product only speak Spanish. And many of them couldn't read English. And if you're supposed to have all the cautions that you should be, you know, for your own health or your, your families or the neighborhoods, to have that just in English. Now, fortunately, that's mostly corrected these days but it's not that long ago that that was the case so oh yeah and there's there's always more work to do in reaching people in their their native languages or their primary languages so that's that's an effort that we have underway to to do even better in that space well amira i really appreciate your having this conversation with me and i'm sure we've got some people listening that will want to follow up and learn more about this and not only learn about your programs of the services that you offer but maybe how they can follow in your footsteps and the other people that are working in extension across not only in california but across the country and many other countries as well have some extension type programs so i really appreciate your good work and i want to thank you for being on farm to table talk Thank you for having me. It's been a joy to talk to you. You've been listening to Farm to Table Talk with your host, Roger Wasson. 